Welcome to Farmerama and stories from smaller scale farms in the UK and beyond. We bring you a collection of anecdotes and experiments from the front line of farming. We're out in the field digging out what's really going on. Today we're at Hockham Farm in East Sussex to record the show, which is actually Nigel's family's farm. So we're starting gathered around the Argo while Nigel's shepherdess mum, Monica, cooks up some of the sheep she's reared here on the farm. Uh, but today we have reports from all over the place, Belgium, Northern Ireland, Italy, as well as close to home. And first, uh, we're speaking to some female farmers from even further afield, Kenya, Tanzania, and Burkina Faso. So Lucy and Rosaline both have successful farms in Kenya. Lucy, she has a mixed farm with chickens, cattle, and horticulture, and Rosaline actually grows herbs for tea. Both were really keen to hear from farmers in the UK, particularly for help with marketing and export opportunities. But first here, you're going to hear them talking a little about male-female dynamics in African farming, well, in particular in Kenya. In our place, there's gender equality, but in most cases, we find that most of the women are the ones who are doing their farming because of their family responsibility. But with time, most of the men are coming up and we are, we are keeping on encouraging them. Our Kenyan society is patriarchal in a way. Both men and men work, of course, but uh, in the traditional past, the women are the ones who used to till the land and work in the fields and as well as take care of their children. But uh, things changed and uh, the men realized farming was a business. Now they are doing it uh, as a business. The only challenge we have with women taking part in the same is that uh, land is given from... Uh, the patriarchal perspective, that is, it's given to uh, if a man is as, as uh, ten children and five are daughters, the others are sons, the five are sons, the five will be given land, but it not be given to the daughters. Although the, there's a new constitution in our country, it's trying to bring the issue of equity, but still the boy child owns the land. So it would be difficult for women to go into it as a business but uh, those who have tried are very successful. We also have groups of women joining hands and doing farming as uh, groups. We call them in our language charmers. And uh, the women have been able to grow crops extensively and even export. Uh, but mainly the, the, the subsistence farming is done, still done in the villages by women and children as, uh, of course, the children provide uh, primary labor. When it comes to farming as a business, mainly men are the ones who are uh, serious, and at times it's also done as families. Mm -hmm. That's why we in the Slow Food Youth Network, we are trying to get our students and pupils to learn about foods, learn about growing crops, small, small gardens, and uh, at least uh, spread the word across the board so that those children can now pass the information still to their parents back at home and then we'll grow good food, fair food, healthy food, and we'll have a healthy nation. One lady I was particularly inspired by was Gladys from Tanzania. She's a lawyer who works with the Maasai tribes to fight for pastoralist rights. 
There was actually much talk between female farmers about how female empowerment will only happen if men are part of that conversation and if they recognize the importance of the shift as well as women. When I was mentoring Maasai girls, I learned that uh, if we keep advocating for gender equality and then educating women and pressuring women, it's like putting an attitude against the other side because after all, what are we advocating for? Why do we want to empower women? From what? So it's only good that we involve men in this. We need men in this because who else empowers women? Like, you know? So it's a lot of work. It's, it's tough because obviously men in the African context own and uh, they are the dominant. So it's going to be tough, but I know there's a way that men can help us because it's not a fight. It's not a uh, negative attitude we want to pressure on, on men, but we want them to understand that uh, women are also human. They have roles, they have duties, also do men. And we can as well just call work and this thing of... Uh, uh, abuse should go away and so as to build a community we need cooperation we need to help each other in the economy we need to help each other in building our families that's the only way you can build a good future so far as i came here because i used to think things are tough where i come from but then having heard about other people and their situations i realized that everything is possible and i also realized that the power is not with uh, the old or the children, but the youth have the ability to change. And finally, positive thinking from the lovely Clements Aoudrago, oh, I didn't say that right, sorry, <laughs> who works with a group of female growers to sell their produce in Burkina Faso. It is very important uh, to include women because uh, um, in our society, the men have the power and the men don't want to share this power with women. Men can, uh, can help women to, to, to be, to be uh, courage to attend the objective. The way is so far, but together we can arrive. Nigel, well, your mum was cooking here, but where was she? We could do oh, yeah, her mom. input here. Mother? Monica! Mom? I'm not sure if you ever referred to it as this, because I know this isn't what you are, or only what you are, but being a farmer's wife, how does that make you feel? Um, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I guess that's what I am. Uh, it's like partners, really. Uh, it's a farming partnership. I do find it kind of annoying when, um, in some cases, uh, it's quite a male-dominated uh, occupation. Do you think the tables are turning, Mother? Do you think there are more, you know, the female, you know, um, female farmers are getting their sort of um, recognition? I think the attitude towards um, the fact that females do pay a part uh, is it's becoming more acceptable, but there's still a certain number of kind of old. You say. Old school, old guards. Yeah, mm -hmm. old school who uh, tend to just want to talk to like the males about it and they, they don't think that a female's got anything that they could contribute. Maybe there's more attention being 
brought to it these days really mm-hmm. um in the past it's been unusual but now i think it's more acceptable that it is kind of teamwork to a certain extent and that mm-hmm. um females can play just as important a part as as the males really i don't know I don't yeah know. Well, you're pretty um i mean on the sheep side of things that you more or less won the sheep, yeah sheep tend, enterprise, we tend to, to a certain extent i tend to deal with sheep and pred tends to deal with the cattle but um but you also uh, share responsibilities as well i mean you work as a team yeah we're waiting at the gate to come in and i think they've maybe burst through the gate and obviously the calves got left behind and the cows went into the sheep shed and where they shouldn't really go um, as a result there's a bit of chaos hey Quite well done, wasn't it? The little ballerina. Yeah. Abby, get around the back. I don't know. No, 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 not that way. heard last week's show you'll know that we left Nigel in Milan after the We Feed the Planet event. Um, He spent quite a bit of time in Europe over the last couple of months but he has been busy. You were in Belgium Nigel. Yes that's right. Um, I was in, uh, I travelled to Brussels on the 7th of September to join a gathering of over 5,000 protesting farmers. Uh, I think there was somewhere in the region of 2,000 tractors. It was um, was quite a sight. I'm here in uh, Schumann Roundabout in Brussels, in front of the European Commission, um, surrounded by protesting farmers. Um, uh, Some 5,000 angry dairy farmers, livestock farmers, all here protesting against the low prices they are receiving. Looks to be a helicopter up ahead as well. It's all happening. I'm Geneviève Savigny. I'm a farmer and a member of the European Coordination Via Campesina, which is a broad movement of farmers all over Europe. We're fighting for, especially for milk today. The, the price is very low. Uh, a, f- a few years ago, we decided to open the markets and to be, to be, to liberalise the sector. And so now the prices are very, very down. And the thing is that for us, it was bound to happen. It's normal. It's normal in a in this kind of market so we want real solutions so that we quit this kind of ideology that the market must solve it all and that we find solutions to 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 regulate the sector we defend the idea to increase or to decrease the production according to the market that's not a real quota according to the market if the market needs milk we produce more if the market needs Less milk, we produce uh, less. That's that's very simple, and uh, for us, it's the only solution. We're here to manifest against the laws that are being imposed on us and the conditions for the farmers because it's not viable. The farmers are killing themselves. The costs are higher than what they get, so that's that's not normal. Nobody can nobody can survive that. It's it's not doable. We are trying here for over. I'm saying six years, but it's even more to make things move but it doesn't work people don't react and it's always waiting until it's too late 
to make something change. How many farmers do I have to, have to die to say it like that before something happens? Yeah, Michael Oakes, farmer in the West Midlands, and I'm vice chairman of the National Dairy Board for the NFU. I mean, it's sheer frustration, actually. I mean, you know, whether you're in the dairy sector or other sectors, I see many of us are working for nothing. You know, we, we actually want country of origin labelling so that we can identify that things are British and consumers can actually support British agriculture and British products um, because they get the choice at the retailer. And on top of that, you know, the single farm payment, it exists. And at this moment, you know, we desperately need it. And, and actually, any kind of delay in the payments of that will actually push dairy farmers under. Uh, I was a bit worried because there's, um, there's a big water cannon over there. And the, huh? and the, the big water cannon, so yes. there's this the line of police here. Yes. And they've got a huge machine with big, uh, well, they're like guns, but I guess they're water the, cannons. We, we know very well this kind of machine. Oh, really? Yeah, yes. in, in France, you <laughs> farmers, you, you, you like to protest. It's not a surprise. So could they, could they pay you more money, do you think? Huh? Could they pay? Are they being greedy? Are they taking yes, of all course. The, taking of course, the they, they can pay. More, but uh, actually, the, I say you uh, before, there are too much milk on the market. Too much supply. And uh, the, the market, it's the result of the production and the consumption. If you have too, too much production for the consumption, the prix is decreasing. That's very simple. Simple, okay. Both come, James and myself has come from Northern Ireland, flew out this morning, and we're here to support our fellow farmers in this crisis time. Yeah, and, and what you know, what is uh, what is the sort of solution to this crisis? Well, need, intervention needs to be introduced and needs to be risen, so we're, we're, we can still stay in business. Right. And are you dairy? Are you guys dairy farmers? Yeah, we're dairy farmers. Yes. Okay. It's hurting us at home too. Great. So how how much longer can you sustain these really low prices? Into the spring, and that'll finish us. So it needs something sorted out immediately. So, um, people as well, citizens are on our side. But the politicians, they don't know. Hogan doesn't know what he should do. Um, the politicians should know that they should have a policy with an, with an aim. Because their current policy has no aim, it has no reason. And if all the farmers are destroyed, then it's not like the costs are going to go down, but the costs are going to go up because our farms are going to be on to, to the banks. And this is not what we want. We need dairy farmers. We don't need banks. And so you think there's in your in um, in Holland there are a lot of like young farmers, people going into farming. Do you think? Yeah, they will. They will. Um, there are lots of young people that want to be a farmer, yeah. but with the, this these prices that uh, they have now and with the costs that they have, yeah. They are thinking, should we do that for the future or not? So it's a bit, uh, it's a bit of struggle. This sounds like it was really quite a big deal in Brussels. Had lots of coverage. There were lots of people there. There was, it, like, it sounds like there was a big police presence, and it was. This, but this seems like something which in the UK I'm not that familiar with. As somebody no. who's not in, like, in the farming community. Um, would you say that's was was that's fair? Is there a different kind of feel? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think um, in the in the UK, farmers are definitely um, kind of more in the background. They're not so vocal in terms of protesting. This this time, you know, things are getting really serious, and um, there were quite a number of UK farmers that actually travelled out with me um, to protest. I mean, a lot of them to be honest, were dairy farmers because those are the guys that are really, you know, um, up against it at the moment. They're trying to highlight 
the fact that you know the prices they are receiving are unsustainable and something has to change it's a ticking time bomb and unless you know prices improve you know these farmers are going to go out of business uk farmers will be protesting more unless things turn around so what can we do to help i think it's important if you know if you can um support your local farmer by so you know farmers that are that have set up um farm shops if you can you know visit your local farm shop and buy meat and milk directly from those farms that's great i guess i just want to say there that that as a obviously i'm not experienced in this at all but i find it frustrating that the eu does have to intervene that maybe also another solution is that we need to look for and i keep saying this kind of thing but alternative business models that work mm. So that the farmer is actually getting paid fairly just from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky one to, to fix it. But yeah, alternative business models are great, but it's quite niche. I mean, the vast majority of people are still buying their milk sure. from supermarkets. And supermarkets are the ones that are selling it as a lost leader. Yeah. So, and, and basically people see it as a commodity and farmers are selling it as a commodity. And I think it's going to take an awful lot of change to, yeah. to um, you know, improve the situation. It's a shame. I mean, there are like real examples, shining beacons of like dairy um, producers actually making money. Mm-hmm. There, there's not many of them. There's the likes of like raw milk is a sort of example. Mm-hmm. Um, but that isn't a, I don't think that's a solution for all dairy farmers yeah. suddenly to just start producing raw milk. Um but, you know, there is certainly scope for farmers to collaborate and maybe try and process their own milk, um, cooperate, etc. Um, mm-hmm. And that could be a way of making more money, mm-hmm. making it more sustainable. from friend of the show, Ben Raskin. He works at the Soil Association and you may have heard him on our first ever episode. He was an early supporter. And here he's speaking to David Love Cameron at his kitchen garden in Northern Ireland. So I'm here uh, in Helen's Bay Wall Garden. How did you end up here, David? Um, Well, I'd uh, won a scholarship to work uh, with Raymond Blanc on a new heritage vegetable garden um, in uh, Le Manoir Saison in Oxfordshire. And that was all about showcasing garden organics heritage seed collection. And uh, so there'd been quite a lot of publicity around that. And the owner of the garden here had read some of it. And uh, when I came back home to Northern Ireland, he asked me to get involved and help him redevelop this uh, lovely old Victorian wall garden. Short-term plans really are to get the weeds under control um, and prepare the soil uh, to take um, a really wide range of uh, kitchen garden crops. Um, We've got these two polytunnels uh, that we're growing winter salads in and uh, we started to build relationships with uh, local chefs from good restaurants so they're really keen to get a good high quality fresh local product um, that they can put on their menus um, and we'll work, we'll work with them from there. Um, long term, um, once we've established a really credible kitchen garden here, um, we want to run classes. We'd love to get mental health charities involved. 
um, we, you know, we'll run classes for ladies who lunch as well. Um, but then we could have cafe and you know, lovely sort of high quality kind of stores or supplies kind of store, that kind of thing. So that, that, that's the vision. So almost like a, a kind of food food hub yeah the area. yeah definitely definitely we're very close to Belfast here um, you know we've got a great demographic in the local area um, so we think there is a niche in the market um, for that kind of thing here in Belfast and as you can see it's just an amazing setting we're surrounded by mature trees um, lovely woodland and we're just a mile or so from the shore um, so yeah uh, we think uh, we think Belfast is ready for it so what do you think your your main challenges with, with the garden are going to be? Well, I mean, the immediate challenge is dealing with the weed problem that we've had here. Um, the garden's been cleared several times already. Um, but, you know, as you can see, we've got lots of problems with cooked grass and docks and so on. Um, so, you know, we're just uh, trying to find a strategy to deal with that at the moment. So over the next few weeks, we might get some goats in. Um, so I think they can do a pretty good job of clearing weeds. Um, and then after that we'll probably just put it down to black plastic um, and then roll that back, cultivate the ground, get it ready for spring and we'll, we'll just um, bring sections of the garden into production uh, as we go along. Um, you know, it's just really me and the owner here at the moment um, so there's a lot for us to do and um, part of our sort of strategy will be to run a volunteer programme. So giving you know, local people who are interested in horticulture um, and horticulture students the chance to come along and work in, you know, this kind of unique setting in, in Belfast. Fantastic. And I noticed you've got a, a couple of really lovely old mature, slightly outgrown yeah. spalier apple trees down there. Yeah, yeah, they're really beautiful. They're quite kind of craggy and, and, and ragged. Um, but uh, there's the the pear is actually quite productive and it's um, the pears are really lovely and almost fizzy at the moment. Um, but yeah, the apples, I'm not quite sure what the varieties are. Um, you know, maybe someone will come along and tell us. But yeah, we'll, we'll whip those into shape, hopefully, and plant lots more fruit um, along the walls. And we may even have um, like a nut walk, something like that. If you want to find out more about the walled garden at Helens Bay in Bangor, County Down, um, you can check out our Facebook page for more details. We have been very excited that following our request for you to contribute some of your own audio to the show, we've already received some submissions. In fact, we've been so impressed that we've decided to release some of these as short stories on the podcast feed. The first of these is from Camilla Williamson, who spent some time at Castillo de Portentino, a small-scale vineyard in Tuscany. So romantic. A full report... (laughs) is on the feed, but here's a taste of an introduction to their natural approach to wine production. My name is Charlotte Horton. Um, I am uh, English, but I've been living initially for 26 years um, and discovered that I had an extraordinary passion for winemaking. I learned winemaking off the local people 25 years ago um, and that experience uh, has been informing the way that I make wine and I treat the vines ever since then. It's a technique that's based on observation um, and really using very, very natural treatment of, of the vines and responding to 
the plants and the particular microclimate that we have. We have found a whole series of Etruscan winemaking stones down the valley, which attest to uh, probably continuous tradition of winemaking for about 3,000 years. So I'm very proud to uh, be continuing that extremely important tradition. The Castello di Potentino has a very unique microclimate. We are in a valley under one of the highest mountains in Tuscany that used to be a volcano. So we have mixed volcanic soil, we have a lot of um, aquifers under the soil, and we have extreme changes in temperature, what they call diurnal um, temperature, so from day to night. So we have very hot, dry air coming in from the coast during the day, very cold air coming off the mountain at night. Now these are perfect conditions for the growth of fruit. And in fact, this valley, which is known as the Golden Basin in the area, uh, the Concadoro, um, is very fertile and full of fruit trees. Olive trees, cherry trees, uh, apple, pear, all sorts of things, and obviously um, vine. We have um, three different varieties of grape in, in our vineyard. All three varieties are extremely sensitive to their particular environments. So they have a particular quality or um, a characteristic, but they very much reflect or mirror the microclimate, or the, what they call in France the terroir, of um, where they are. So I think plants um, definitely have an intelligence. Um, humans have a different type of intelligence and not able to recognize uh, the intelligence of plants, um, sadly. Uh, so plants often get quite badly treated. Um, and what I'm interested in is providing um, a very good situation for the plants because they will thrive and they will produce something that is natural. Um, it's sustainable um, and so that's also very important in how you consider what you're planting and where is the sustainability not only uh, in uh, the sustainability of the plant's life but also in the sustainability of the taste. I believe that you can actually taste um, in wines or food when they are produced from plants that are happy and sustainable in their own environment. So we don't um, add a lot of chemicals to the wine, we don't add a lot of fertilisers to the, to, to the soil, uh, and we don't irrigate. Um, these are things that will become less sustainable. Um, the use of pesticides and fungicides um, and treatments for plants um, in order to produce food or wine is becoming a, a really problematic issue. I think that people and plants should be where they can survive. Um, without making too, too much of an, an effort. Uh, so thanks for joining us this week um, from the farm uh, with uh, Joe, Abby and Monica, my mother, um, and everyone. I hope we haven't we've been recording as you've been <laughs> cooking us uh, dinner. I hope we haven't got in the way too much. No, there's no problem. It's, it's all good. It's interesting, actually. Yeah. My kitchen table is being used for a lot of things, but it's the first time it's been used as a recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> like, how much is this room an important part of the running of the farm? 
Yeah, it's the central part of the farm. Yeah. It's, it's the centre of your universe. Isn't it? <laughs> it all happens in the kitchen. <laughs> so true. I got that. Farmer Mama is released on the third Sunday of the month, but keep an eye out for the odd special edition like the Potentino Report. You can find us as Farmer Mama Radio on Facebook, and we're on Instagram, and we're on Twitter as well. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>